Believe it or not, gambling influencers have become a popular trend on TikTok and other social media platforms. Millions of people watching people playing table games like blackjack or pushing buttons on a slot machine. One influencer is so popular, he's become the theme of his own slot machine here in Las Vegas. But as this new trend draws newer and younger people in, should casinos rejoice at having these new markets of players? Or do we need to talk more about the possible darkness that looms behind the glow of the buffalo? Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I talk with producer Sonia Cho Swanson about my experiences with people who suffer from problem gambling disorders, how they're getting help, and how all of this fits into our wondrous world of Vegas. It's Monday, August 8th, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Hello, hello, David. How are you doing? Hey, Sonia. Doing great. Yeah, I want to know about you, too. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Overheating a little bit, but I'm, I'm really looking to forward summer. to summer. It is summer. <laughs> it is summer. I wanted to ask you about something that I saw online recently because my partner watches TikTok all the time, and he's been seeing a bunch of gambling influencers on TikTok, like people who are showing yeah. off their poker games and everything, table games, blackjack, pie gal. But a lot of it is slot machine play, which you would think is the most boring thing in the world, watching people play a slot machine. And yet it's there, man. It is. And, and in some cases, super duper popular. It's insane to me. So I read up on this guy, his name is Brian Christopher. Uh, And he's got millions upon millions of followers and viewers across all these different channels, YouTube, et cetera. And in January of 2021, he opened a special branded slots room at the plaza. And then now Mm -hmm. a little over a month ago, he has now debuted his own branded slot machine. There is a Brian Christopher slot machine at the plaza and the Palms. How do you feel about this? That's meta. So it's so he shows videos of him playing a game that involves a game that involves him showing videos. I'm I'm lost in the maze. Uh, yeah, this is like finding John Malkovich, but for slots. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm really fascinated, Sonia, by the whole trend. I have so many questions. You know, on a lot of levels, I'm wondering, like, this is obviously marketing for casinos and trying to get more people involved in gambling or interested in gambling at least, maybe to try it. Ah, So many questions. But I guess maybe the biggest question is like, who's the audience for this? Mm. And then how's it impacting this audience? Mm -hmm. How's it impacting gambling as a conversation in Las Vegas? Right. Well, I can tell you that Brian Christopher says in an interview with Review Journal in 2021 that his number one audience on Facebook are male millennials, that 24 to 34 year old range. And so in terms of who he's targeting and who he's bringing into these casinos, it would seem to be that younger crew of folks, possibly good new market. Yeah. You know, look, I've been involved in a lot of components and aspects 
of gambling. I grew up here. My dad was a casino worker. Uh, I teach a course over at the Boyd School of Law that is involved in problem gambling, specifically with my co-professor, Alan Feldman, who is well-regarded in the area. So these are conversations we're always having, like who are going to replace the old school gamblers that used to be the reliables for a lot of the casinos? Mm-hmm. How do they attract you know, millennials that have different interests than maybe people did 20, 30 years ago? So I, I think that this conversation is really interesting because as the technology and as the way that it's marketed and promoted, especially in these new ways, develops, are we also developing safeguards to make sure that when people do become involved in gambling for these reasons, that it is responsible gambling or safe gambling. Responsible gambling being the key phrase in the industry. Yeah. Okay. So responsible gambling, was that um, a contradiction? How would you define responsible gambling? Well, so responsible gambling is the way that the industry absolutely likes to address the issue of um, people and their patterns when it comes to gambling, because the flip side would be something called problem gambling. Okay. So yeah, so social responsibility or responsible gambling is kind of this concept that the the casinos do things sometimes by regulation in Nevada, sometimes by their own internal policy to make sure that people essentially don't get caught up in a bad way where it's destructive. That's the concept and that they do certain things to help that along or ensure that, you know, there's a debate as to how effective they are. It's more reactive than proactive or more passive than, than assertive. Okay. So that's responsible gambling. How do we decide what problem gambling looks like? Is there an agreed upon definition? Okay. So Yes and no, like everything. Okay. So yeah, I mean, there is a there is a psychological definition. There's this thing called the DSM-5, which is the most recent, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, the Bible for psychologists to define certain disorders, mental health disorders, and gambling is its own disorder. And, and there's a lot of criteria for it. There are quizzes that are given to people. They can be as short as two questions, you know, and the two questions are, are you increasing your bets uh, with regularity or you're wagering with regularity? That's question one. And question two is, are you lying in any way about your gambling behavior? That's it. Those two questions. And if you answer yes to those two questions, then in all likelihood, you have some issue with gambling. Both Um, or either? Both. Okay. Huh. But even if the answer to either question is yes, there still may be a problem to be addressed. So there's a lot of amorphous activity, but there's definitely an agreed upon group of people who absolutely positively should not be engaged in gambling activity because they likely suffer from problem gambling disorder. You see that range anywhere from 2% of adults to 8% of adults. But that's of all adults, not adults who are gambling. So, you know, presumably that number is even higher, uh, you know, with people who gamble on a regular basis. And I would suggest that if you go into some of these like slot only parlors at three in the morning and you see people there for more than two hours, then probably everyone in there has some significant issue as it relates to problem gambling. But that's not an official definition. Let me let me ask this. Let's just imagine because I think there are probably people out here in Las Vegas. We're surrounded by slots in our grocery stores, our dive bars, like the opportunity- Gas stations, laundry mats. Yeah, so many opportunities to gamble. And so 
I can imagine that we have folks here who probably have some issues or maybe even listeners who have a family member they're worried about. Sure. If I have, say, like my Uncle Benny, I feel like it's maybe hitting the slots a little too hard, struggles with rent. What can I do to help him out? Do I? How do I help him identify himself as a problem gambler? What are the steps that I need to take? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways, you know. Uh, it's like with anyone who has an addictive disorder, interventions are always a tricky thing, especially from family members. So you want to get the facts. I mean, the two-question quiz is a great starting point, mm. you know, and have the person come to some self-realization. There's lots of resources available. There's hotlines. The Nevada Council on Problem Gambling is an amazing resource. There are lots of medical providers in the community. There's the Problem Gambling Center, which is storied and has been helping a lot of people over the years. GA is good for some people as well. So there's a lot of resources that are out there. And if you're in a casino, you probably have seen some brochures. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there was a campaign called When the Fun Stops. And so if you're in a casino, by regulation, they have to have posted these informational packets or information about a hotline to call. So you could go into any casino right now or any place that provides gambling and get one of these brochures or get the phone number and pass that information on to Uncle Benny and say, hey, guy, um, maybe we should talk. Well, best of luck to Uncle Benny and his family. Right. He's not a real person I should call Okay, yet. yes. <laughs> yes, well. I don't want to make sure I'm not making any allusion to anyone real, living, or dead here. So. And your Uncle Bernie's like, wait, is she talking about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the bigger issue, I think, yeah, is what happens in the casinos, right? Yeah. So that's what a family can do or, or an individual can do to tackle problems, gambling. What happens on kind of a more institutional level, like at the casino level? What's going on there? So that's a little bit more complicated. And we just made reference to regulations that require the posting of information. So if people are at a casino cage or at a casino ATM and it catches their eye and they decide to pick up the brochure or look through it and call the phone number, that probably starts a process. There's another requirement that in Las Vegas, in Nevada, a casino has to offer a program of exclusion Okay. Uh, if a person asks for it. So it's actually called self-exclusion. So self-exclusion is a concept where a person can say, I think I have an issue with gambling casino, casino X, casino Y. I want to limit my ability to participate in this on some level. Um And at that point, the casino would be required to give them information about the program at that casino of self-exclusion. So most of the time in in Nevada, uniquely, exclusion is self-initiated. And then the programs of exclusion can vary from casino to casino. Wildly, actually, Sonia. Oh, really? Okay, so when you say exclusion, does that mean... They're not allowed in the building anymore? I mean, what's the range here? So, yeah, the range is wild. So it could be as minimal as you are no longer allowed to get credit from the casino. You can't cash checks anymore at the casino. Uh, You're not going to get marketing materials from the casino. You can't be part of the players club to get those incentives or benefits for more gambling. Uh, at the casino. That that would be kind of the minimal side of things where you're just not in in the system anymore as a as a player reward person. On the complete other side of the spectrum, some casinos will have you say, 
okay, I'm going to notarize this document. I am going to ban myself not only from your property, but if you own, if your casino brand uh, chain owns casinos anywhere in the world, you're banning yourself from all of them as well. And that would include restaurants and that would include retail. You are literally saying, I want to be trespassed from your property or any sister property around the world because I have a problem gambling disorder. And you're authorizing them to call the police and have you physically removed and potentially arrested if you show up on their property. Wow. That's very extreme. And, and they also can have provisions in there that it's virtually irreversible. Hmm. So even if at some point in the future you get treatment and help and you get past a problem gambling disorder, you still can't go to, you know, the fancy restaurant or check out the show. You can't go see Adele, you oh, know, no. if, if she was at that property <laughs> right. that you excluded from. Yeah. And so the range of self-exclusion in Las Vegas specifically is very, very wide. So we've got this spectrum of interventions that casinos have in place. What do you think? To offer. To, to, to offer. To offer. What do you think they should be doing um, in addition to this? Oh, that's a great question. And that should be a little bit more of a debate, I think, especially given a couple of things. One, this interesting new youthful marketing mm-hmm. of gambling and bringing more people in into the fold, right? Also, as sports betting expands, not just in our own community, but throughout the country, I think that that conversation is like, what more can we do? to ensure that people who are susceptible to forming problem gambling disorders or who have problem gambling disorders are not the ones who are wagering. They're not the ones that are feeding these record high revenues that the casinos in Las Vegas have been reporting month over month over month for for a while now. We see it in the paper every month, new record highs. But, you know, if somebody is gambling a lot and they keep coming back, I don't know that the casino is particularly incentivized to stop that action. You know what I mean? There are other things that could be done and we don't talk about it. We talked a little bit about this on the podcast is that there is technology that knows a lot about the individual gambler and their patterns and their behaviors and how long they gamble and how hard they gamble and if their gambling is increasing in distressing ways. And, you know, they're now finding out information about their banking and whether or not they can afford to be gambling at the levels that they are. And I think that there is AI and technology that allows the casinos to become more aware of who might have a problem. The question is, will there ever be that time when that barrier is broken, where they go and approach a customer to say, hey, you know, Uncle Benny, maybe we should have a conversation about what's going on. And I think that the common thought amongst a lot of like industry folk is that if you did that, you probably wind up more alienating the player and encouraging them to move to another property that doesn't do that. Mm. I mean, if you were to consider it to be a health crisis, which I think in a lot of ways it is, you know, the CDC should recommend stuff like that. uh, Or we should have these conversations in our regulatory system here in Nevada, but we don't really have that conversation. So it kind of moves forward. But as gambling increases and more people are coming in and younger people are coming in, especially people who 
are already used to being addicted to screens, right. if you will, yes. right? Yes. It might be a really dangerous combination and maybe that conversation needs to happen so that we don't see people's lives being ruined because, you know, gambling away all your money that's available could be bad enough, but sometimes it gets even worse. There's yeah. a, a bottom below the bottom out, Sonia. Well, I was actually wondering, I mean, I know that you've helped a lot of problem gamblers in your career as an attorney are there any stories, like obviously without names, but are, are there any stories mm. or examples of people whose lives have been shattered by problem gambling? Yeah, and, and she's given me permission to talk about it. I'm not going to say her name. Here is someone who is a person in her, in her late 50s, a, a grandma, who had never been in trouble with the law before on any level, had a lot of personal traumas going on in her life, it enjoyed like so many people in our community do and can. Gambling is a little bit of an escape, but, you know, it progressively became worse and worse and it became something that filled a gap. And this person clearly and unequivocally and undeniably had developed a significant problem gambling disorder where those two questions were answered resoundingly yes. And, and the 20 questions that get asked by any psychologist afterwards were all answered yes as well. Mm -hmm. And there was constant lying about the gambling activity, constantly increasing betting to the point where, you know, one measure of gambling that we talk about as far as efficiency with slot machines, and this was a slot machine player, is a measure called coin in, coin out. Mm -hmm. Whenever you insert a wager, that's coin in. Whenever it pays out a little, it's coin out. So eventually, if you were to play eternally, Sonia, odds are, odds yeah. being the key factor, is that you would lose all your money. Yeah. If you if you played forever, eventually it all goes away. She was putting coin in in the millions. And eventually she wound up stealing from her longtime employer who was like a family member who she had been with for oh long time, decades. Well over half a million dollars stolen. As you can imagine, this was devastating to the company. Uh, the company didn't realize why they were losing so much money. It impacted other employees. It impacted her. Ultimately, this particular person pled guilty because, you know, she was full with remorse. She admitted that she had done it. She was humiliated. And the judge sent her to prison for up to 10 years for that. I mean, in this individual's case, she had engaged in criminal, criminal activity to feed her gambling behavior. Mm -hmm. Absent. Yeah. That so say someone does not commit a crime, can the law still intervene with someone who has a problem gambling habit, or does there have to be some sort of break in the law to happen to get the law involved? Well, you know they they talk about it in that statute as sort of a, a mental health provision in a lot of ways, uh, civil commitment of of sorts. But no, the short answer is no. The law is not really out there to protect people with mental health disorders as it relates to gambling one way or the other. Although I will say this, we do have another law. I'm going to talk about the very opposite law. There's a law in Nevada that says that if you become indebted to a casino, that a mental health disorder is not a defense. What? So that's interesting too. So yeah, take, take that one. And, and put it in the mix. Because so if someone were to say, look, the only reason that I went $20 million in debt to this casino is they kept feeding me, you know, and this has been tried. Huh. But in Nevada, 
there is a law that says that if you have a provable mental health disorder, if you are a problem gambler under the DSM-5 and have been diagnosed by a psychologist and the whole thing, you can't use that as a defense for not paying back the money that you had borrowed from the casino. In fact, I'm going to just blow your mind a little bit extra. There are laws that say that if you don't pay back the private debt that you took, even if you have a problem gambling disorder, it could be turned over to the Clark County District Attorney for prosecution. So if Uncle Benny doesn't pay his visa bill, the visa bill doesn't get to go to the Clark County District Attorney and say, go prosecute Uncle Benny, right? But if Uncle Benny takes out a same amount from a casino by way of a marker and Uncle Benny doesn't pay them back, and even if Uncle Benny has a problem gambling disorder, the casino can turn that over to the district attorney's office and they become not just the collection agent, but the collection agent who can put you in jail. And that is the law in Las Vegas as well. So I know that you were involved in the creation of this diversion program through the court system. Is that correct? Yeah. Tell me more about it. Yeah. So there's this law that was passed in 2010 that said that, you know, if you have a provable problem gambling disorder and there is a sufficient connection between the disorder and the crime and the crime is not one of violence against a person and you haven't and you're basically a first time offender or something Mm -hmm. like that, um, that you should be offered the option of going into a program. That program, which was written in the laws, wasn't really used or utilized. And then all of a sudden, one of my cases came up. Uh, I actually had a couple of others. Then some other attorneys kind of started doing the same. And then there was a realization that there might be a utility in having an actual court to go to, like a diversion court. So we have diversion courts for things like drug addiction and DUI diversion and veterans court. There's a lot of what they call specialty courts where they try to put people in a program because of mental health issues and things like that into more of a a treatment path than an incarceration path. Although incarceration is always sort of the stick Mm -hmm. hanging over if you don't actually participate to the satisfaction of the judge. So it's all in the court system, but there's these diversion courts. But there never was one, even though the statute sort of called for it, for problem gamblers. And so almost four years ago now, the first gambling treatment diversion court in the country, the first statutorily uh, sanctioned problem gambling treatment court was developed here in Las Vegas. And, and I think it is a program that needs to be expanded and probably even talked about a little bit more. But it's just one piece of the puzzle because, you know, understandably, not everyone with a problem gambling disorder turns to criminality to feed their disease. So there is this large group and hopefully not growing group that doesn't get that far, but that still needs to be talked yeah. about. Well, here's and what I'm... To some degree, protected. Here's what I'm hearing, David. You need to start a TikTok account. <laughs> you need your very own... Problem gambling TikTok account. Yikes. That could be very (laughs) ugly. You know, look, we're all impressionable to marketing and advertising. And if you accept the premise, and I do, that gambling is okay, that gambling has definitely been a good thing for our community, more so than a bad thing for our community. But the good and the bad both need to be discussed. But, you know, as we kind of make it full circle, talking about this new wave of influencers who are broadcasting their gambling behavior, are they broadcasting healthy gambling behavior? Are they broadcasting unrealistic because of editing gambling behavior? 
are they broadcasting the channel that is, you know, watching? Is there a TikTok station for Uncle Benny (laughs) showing him go to his last dollar and going home without milk for his family? You know, not to be too dramatic, but again, you know, I, I think everyone hopefully can agree that some people shouldn't be gambling at all because of their mental health challenges. And I think as as we're kind of evaluating the value of this new sort of craze, you want to call it a craze, Sonia? Sure, we'll call it a TikTok craze. TikTok I like it. craze, yeah. where you know people playing slot machines is like a hot thing. Yeah, we probably need to have the very discussion that we're having on a bigger level. Which is why we're here. <laughs> That's why we're here. Thank you so yeah. much for this great conversation, David. We'll throw links to those intervention programs you talked about in the oh, show doc sure. and the show notes. If you know anyone out there who has an issue with gambling, check out those show notes and check out those links. Thank you so much, David, for a great conversation, as always. As always. And now it's time for some news from around the city. What's going on, Sonia? Well... Thanks to the rising costs of, you know, everything, more or less vegans are selling their blood plasma to help make ends meet. Local donation centers say they've seen a double-digit increase in business. That's not surprising. You can make hundreds of dollars a month, as long as you're not afraid of needles. Meanwhile, owners of short-term rental houses, like Airbnbs, are pushing back against new laws regulating that business. They're suing the county and the state, saying the new rules are arbitrary, excessive, and will hurt investors. All right, that's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Did you enjoy the episode? Learn something new that you can't wait to share? Send this episode to a friend. You know what else we love? your ratings and reviews. Here's one from Joanna Rothbell who says, I can already tell I'll learn a lot and be wildly entertained. I'll look forward to the 6 a.m.s. Don't forget to subscribe to our amazing morning newsletter. It comes at 6 a.m. for even more news and events. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Talk soon.